On today's episode, I'm gonna talk about one of the most hotly contested topics. It's also one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about because, well, as a nutritionist, it's what I do. Yeah, you guessed it. We're gonna talk about nutrition. But instead of bringing you all the mumbo jumbo that the nutrition industry likes to bring you to sell you their quick fix products that, well, don't really work, I'm gonna teach you the science behind how your body works and give you the keys to the car. So turn your listening ears on, grab a piece of paper, and a pencil, and get ready to take some notes. Let's go ahead and cue the intro. Wherever you're at on your lifting journey, whatever kind of athlete you wanna be, we're all rolling down the same iron highway. All right, I got the coffees, I got the energies, I got the topic, let's go. We are talking today about nutrition, uh, again, possibly, my most favorite topic to talk about um, uh, because it is such a huge failure point for a lot of athletes. Um, and, and the problem is, is that most folks are, are working off of emotion, how they feel about their diet, <clears throat> or they're working off of guesswork because what they've been told by, you know, the, the pseudo practitioners in the, in the nutrition industry is half true or entirely untrue. Um, and, and that just doesn't work for you. I mean, just imagine, you know, and I'll bring it back to my experience, right? In the military, we made a lot of strategic decisions um, over the course of the years, uh, and they weren't emotional. There's no room for emotion in that. Um, it's all, it's all data-driven. It's all hard intelligence-driven, and it's kind of the same way that we should be approaching our bodies, right? Um, because there is so much attached to our um, image of self, uh, how we feel about ourselves, um, and, and also just the, the ambient stress that we experience throughout life. If we don't apply some sort of scientific process to how we are modifying our body, whether we're trying to lose weight, right, um, or if we're trying to uh, gain strength or become more explosive or a better endurance runner um, or put on size, right? Um, there's a, a wide variety of, of variables between uh, your nutrition, um, your hydration, your uh, psychological state, um, and, and outside environmental factors that can affect you. And all of them can directly affect the main line, which is, you know, your, your performance and, and your weight metrics. But if you don't have enough data to support it, you're not going to be able to make solid strategic decisions. And, and so I guess that's really the starting point is is point number one is, is that you, you have to approach nutrition like a scientist, right? You have to, you have to find a way to take the emotion out of it. And the other, the other thing about this is, is that, um, and it's a supporting thought to that is that, you can't out train a bad diet. And so you have to have the motivation, you have to place enough value on your diet to understand that it's probably more important than the effort that you're putting in to stimulate your muscles. And again, this is for whatever purpose that you're training for, right? Our, our big boys, our endurance runners, our bodybuilders, our lifestyle folks, no matter what, whatever you're doing, the adaptations that your muscles and your body re, uh, undergo as a result of the training that you do can only happen if they're supported by proper nutrition. 
Um, you can't lose weight. You can train as hard as you want, right? You can't lose weight if you're eating 2000 calories over your maintenance calories. And that is the crux of the next topic and what we're going to spend some time here in. And we're going to talk about the core of how our metabolism works, right? It's based on an energy balance. Um, now, there's myriad studies, right? This is highly scientifically backed um, that our, metab our metabolism and the way that our body composition, uh, the outcome of our body composition is directly related to the balance of energy. If we eat more calories than we expend, then we're going to store energy. If we eat less calories than we expend, we're going to expend energy. And generally that comes from one of two places, either your adipose tissue, the fat store, right? That long-term energy storage. Um, and also, and, and this is regardless of how hard you try, there's a, a possibility of uh, when you go into a deficit that you can lose the lean mass, you can lose muscle tissue. Right. But like I said before, however you train, the science behind how our body functions remains the same. Right. Uh, your energy balance is, is not going to be different. Um, it does the, the, the scientific fundamentals behind it do not change whether you're an endurance athlete or a, a power lifter, et cetera, et cetera. And the problem that we all face, and I've talked about this a little bit already, is the nutrition industry is still fairly unregulated and it's full of snake oil salesmen. And it's really hard to know what to believe. And, and the only way, um, you know, is, is to evolve yourself and evolve your understanding and to learn the science behind it. Um, they give you, uh, the folks in the, in the nutrition industry, they, they take snapshots, right? They take pieces and, and, and bend it to whatever product or method that they're trying to sell. And, and the core of it is, is that the science never changes. Um, all diets that re result in weight loss achieve a caloric deficit, period. There's, there's no sauce to put on the end of that, right? Um, you can eat all of one macro and eat in a caloric deficit. And that could be carbohydrates, right? You carbohydrate haters. <laughs> it could be purely carbohydrates and you would lose weight. Now, the rest of your body functions would suffer, right? Because each of the macronutrients are absolutely requisite to a properly functioning body. Um, so all diets result in a weight loss all diets that result in a weight loss achieve a caloric deficit. So when we talk about our MLMs, right, um, the Atkins diet, the set point diet, um, all of your big, you know, beach body people and stuff like that, um, all of their nutrition plans operate under a, a fairly rudimentary uh, principle of caloric deficit. Um, the MLMs, they'll give you little boxes of food. Um, and that box of food is a meal that's supposed to be for a person between X pounds and X pounds that moves this much in a week. Right. Um, and, and that is helpful because what they do is they shortcut you on your calories so much that no matter what, you're going to be in a caloric deficit. If you're in that, that body range, the problem is that for the upper end of that range, you're probably way, way, way underserved right? Uh, let's say uh, the range that they give you is like 1200 to 1800 calories, and they set you at 1200 calories. Well, if you're supposed to be if you're 
pound to pound and a half a week uh, weight loss is 1800 calories. One, you're hungry all the time. Two, you're, you're definitely going to lose weight, um, but there's going to be a significant amount of, of lean mass that goes with it. And three, it's going to be really difficult to adhere to for a long time. And this is the, the key that we need to really bring along with any approach that we have to nutrition. It's not a, it's not a diet, right? It, it's, a, it's a nutrition plan. If you can't see yourself living in this state, eating in this manner, doing this thing, right, for 20 years, it's not sustainable. Let me say that again. If you can't see this in your life for 20 years, if you can't do this for 20 years straight, it's not sustainable. It's not a way forward. Because at that point, it's all guts and grit, right? And at some point, motivation is going to run out. At some point, um, what is a quote-unquote cheat meal is just darn worth it because you've had enough. It's not supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to live like that. All right, so let's talk more about energy balance. Uh, <clears throat> we have what's called maintenance calories, right? There's the amount of energy that our body uses throughout the day. Um, and if you eat exactly that amount of calories, then there's no storage and there's no deficit, so you don't gain or lose weight. Right. Um, and the term for this, the science term is, is total daily expended energy, T-D-E-E. -E. I, I want to stop right here, folks. This is the starting place for everything that you do, right, when it comes to controlling your composition and, uh, and, and your performance, right? Um, so total daily expended energy, right? If we're eating in a deficit, then our performance is going to suffer because we have less uh, less energy available. Uh, we'll also begin to draw off of our, our energy stores um, and thus we'll start to lose body mass. And the same thing in reverse. If you're in a caloric surplus, uh, you'll have extra energy available and you will gain size. You'll put on body mass. Um, your total daily expended energy, uh, there's a way to figure out, figure out what it is, right? Because this is not a it's intended to be an objective measurement, but it's pretty impossible because each person at different body weights and different um, daily movement uh, calls are going to burn a different amount of energy every day, right? So a lot of people, they'll, they'll take their, their total daily expended energy and they'll base their surplus or their deficit on it, and then they won't touch it for a year. And just, that's just what I burned. Well, no, that's what you burned yesterday. You might burn differently and probably do today. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of environmental and psychosomatic, uh, influencers that are going to directly change what your TDE is, right? So this is, <clears throat> um, this is a general metric that you have to really stay in tune with. But that being said, we build our TDEE, our total daily expended energy, off of three buckets, one of which is our uh, life support bucket, right? This is the energy that we use <clears throat> uh, just lying in bed, um, not doing anything, right? It's the energy it takes to swallow, to, to respirate, to blink, uh, to uh, digest food, to regulate our body temperature, right? All of that costs energy. So that's one bucket is your life support. The next is your activity 
energy bucket. And it's made up of two types, your, your non-exercise and your exercise. Your non-exercise is, is um, all of your daily, daily movements. Like right now I'm standing in front of a stand, uh, sit stand desk standing. Um, and the energy it takes to hold my body erect is, is a count, right? It's, uh, it's burning uh, some of the energy. Um, walking around, right? You're, you know, who out there uses a Fitbit or some sort of step counter, right? Well, though that step counter is there for a purpose because it's low impact solid state cardio, right? Um, and it burns energy. So everything that you do throughout the day that's not training, right? Not raising your heart rate uh, above 60% VO2 max uh, is, is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. The other half of your activity energy burn bucket is your training budget. Um, and this is when we go in and, and we're, we're doing um, movements, uh, we're, we're doing some sort of exercise that rates, raises our heart rate above that 60%. Um, this is your Olympic lifting. This is your uh, running, but but running in you know your your middle distance and sprint categories, right? This is high intensity interval training. Um, this is plyometrics. This is this is where we're pushing ourselves, right? We're training for whatever uh, specific feat that we're trying to specialize in. Um, and then the last bucket is what's called the thermic effect of food, right? Um, and, and it's, it sounds funny, but long story short, it takes energy to consume energy. Um, and I, and I'll break all that down in a, in a deeper manner at another time, but long story short is, is to wrap that concept up your total daily expended energy, your maintenance calories is made up of life support, activity, and eating life support, activity, and eating. Uh, and there's a way, there's actually a, a resource that I use. And again, remember that this is a loose guide that you will need to match your experience with um, what it's feeding you. But uh, the website T-D-E-E calculator.net. So for my military types, that's Tango Delta Echo Echo calculator.net. Right. Um, and you can go in there and you can put all of your uh, personal information, your height, weight, age, uh, your estimated activity level. Right. And again, here's here's one of the variables that will affect the reliability of the output of that data to you is you have to be really honest um, with how much you move and then whether or not your estimation matches what they call that level of movement will directly impact how many calories they give you. Right. So this is something that is a loose guide. It's a starting place. But then you have to start really paying attention, um, you know, specifically if you're looking to go through a surplus or nutrition phase, <clears throat> you have to match the outcomes with the expected outcome. That being said, um, you can create a surplus or deficit. And I like to go in 250 calorie uh, blocks. And the reason for that is it's, it's probably the, the least uh, amount of change that you can make while still having it be st statistically significant enough that you can actually measure um, uh, the the output, right? <clears throat> so at 250 cows a day, if you are over or under <clears throat> whatever direction you are, um, it, will, it will net a half of a pound of change per week. Um, now, once you start getting into the, the pound and a half range, um, that's a pretty aggressive diet. And for 
lifestyle clients, that's probably the top end of where you want to go. If you really, really need to make a push, if you're trying to get through a plateau. And I would also recommend that you do this under the care of a clinical supervisor um, to make sure that you're not doing harm to yourself. Um, but that being said, um, there are some instances, um, for instance, in uh, physique athletes where you can see uh, deficits or uh, deficits at or greater than a thousand calories a day and and definitely surpluses greater than um and what another there's a couple of different ways to approach this right uh the first mentality to really absorb here um and, and one that i see a lot of folks stumble on is uh if they're off on a day right uh worked an 18 hour day ate three meals at mcdonald's just I had zero options, right? I was, uh, I was stuck in court, right? The, like, honestly, no options. Don't get into the snowball effect by having that one bad day affect the rest of the week, right? Um, because your mentality gets behind on it, right? Um, we look at things, and this is this is where the scientific perspective really comes into power. Um, is we look at our budget as a weekly budget right? It takes, it takes the, um, the immediacy and, and the gravity of a single day out of it. You can have a horrible day. Let's say you eat an extra 2000 calories. Well, what's 2000 divided by seven? Hang on. I'll actually do that. 2000. That's 285 calories a day, right? So if you were in a 250 calorie deficit, now you're definitely going to not be in a deficit, but you're not destroying yourself. You didn't gain 10 pounds based off that one day. Over the course of the week, you might have gained 0.01 pounds. I don't know. Really rough math. <clears throat> um, so it takes, it takes the, the gravity off of, of, uh, of deviances in our days. Um, and the other the, the thing to think about, there's two ways to approach your budget, your weekly budget, right? Um, and the first one is what I recommend for almost everyone um, until you start having specific uh, athletic output needs. Um, so the, the first way to look at it is that you have a stable budget. You've got, um, say you're on a 2,000 calorie diet, you've got 2,000 calories a day. You do that every day. Um, and, and there's no change. And then you can, you can add to or re reduce from to, to, uh, to modify for life. Or if you are a little bit more practiced and have good habits and good adherence, um, specifically for, for, for lifestyle athletes or performance athletes, there's uh, uh, good, uh, it is good to have high days and low days, right? So, and generally we modify the carbohydrate as the variable to add extra energy for performance. Um, and usually that's, um, you know, for a, a strength athlete going into a competition, you want them to have extra energy going into that day um, while still not carrying a food baby in the middle of the competition. Um, same thing for uh, physique athletes. And it's really the same concept is that um, while, you know, we might be in a deficit uh, over the week, um, there are days where I'll have extra need of, of energy. And so, uh, training days get supported and there's two ways to approach it. You can 
eat up during the day or, or the day before. Um, while the science kind of supports the day before, there are some those some that do both. So, anyways, uh, two different ways to approach your weekly budget is variable or standardized. All right, now that we've got energy balance wrapped up as a concept under our belt, we understand how to approach our weekly budget, and we know how to find where uh, our maintenance calories are. Let's figure out how to uh, budget our energy types. And I want to start with a, a really simple concept here. Um, that's so important, and it's yet it's such a highly debated topic because this is where nutrition industry people make their money, is they, they make this simple science really confusing. There's three macronutrients, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. All three macronutrients are required for your body to function properly. All three. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. Fat's not the enemy. Protein's not the enemy. The enemy is all of those lunatics out there in the nutrition industry trying to sell you their products or, or processes. All macronutrients are important. The first macronutrient we're going to talk about is proteins, right? Protein is the foundation for every single cell in your body. <clears throat> your bones, your skin, your hair, your muscles. Matter of fact, it's required... Protein is required to support a process called muscle protein synthesis. This is the process in which um, after you've trained that first 24 to 48 hours, your body goes about repairing those micro tears that happen when you uh, overload your muscles and, and create a call for your body to adapt and respond to heavier load. In order to fulfill that process, in order to support that process, you have to have protein. Typically, it's about every four hours, right? Um, and it's just, that's the, to support the digestive process and then to ensure that there is a volume of protein available. Um, in order to do that, you want to get, and, and the USDA recommends that, that protein is between 25 and 35% of your, your daily diet. Um, we approach it in a little bit more, um, Numer in a different way, um, and, and one that I, I found many other trainers do too, is um, I like to prescribe anywhere between 0.75 and 1.25 grams of protein per pound of mass that you're trying to carry. Um, for lifestyle clients, uh, it's okay to be on that lower end. Um, and, and one of the things that I have found in all of my athletes, uh, outside of the ones that have had some experience and are, are hyper-protein focused, is protein is, is commonly the most underrepresented macronutrient of the three in, in, in diets of uh, athletes who are starting track. You think that you eat more protein that you, than you do. Unless you're tracking, you think you're eating more protein than you do. Let me say it another way. You're not eating enough protein. <laughs> um, It's so important. It's so important. Protein is so important. The um, one of the benefits of having a protein prioritized diet, right, um, is that 
it, that thermic effect, the cost to eat the food that we talked about when we were talking about energy balance, for protein is 25 to 30%, which means that your body cannot absorb up to 30% of each gram of protein that you ingest. Right? It's getting burnt. Um, which makes it a more economical food choice and less likely, and there's, this is a long scientific conversation because all three macronutrients have a lipogenesis process. Uh, lipogenesis is the process of taking one type of energy and, and turning it into a triglyceride, which is you know, your adipose tissue, your stored fat mass. But the process to convert proteins Number one has to go through the, the thermic effect of just absorbing that, right? So upwards of 30%. And then there's an additional cost to convert it, which means that having a protein heavy diet, if you happen to go over the amount that gets to that part of your metabolism that's able to store is, is much smaller than than the other two and and carbohydrates is, is still pretty safe also um speaking of which carbohydrates it, it's not that it, it, the carbohydrates are not the enemy my friends the enemies are the lunatics out there telling you that an energy source that your body needs is bad for you it's just how you use it and if you're using it wrong it's because you're eating too much of it um, anyways, carbohydrates, it's our energy to fuel our brain. Uh, friends, you ever, if you ever had the, have those uh, afternoon groggies, right? Um, get, grab an apple. Uh, you know, um, it, it, it's typically because you're undercarbed. Uh, it's also our energy to fuel our training. And it's why sometimes you'll get halfway through uh, a session and you'll feel draggy or you'll feel foggy. Or sometimes, um, if I've really messed with myself, uh, I'll even get a headache in the middle of the gym. It's typically either headaches are either hydration or uh, under carb representation. Um, but it's it's required. It's how our brain functions, right? Um, you need you need the carbohydrates to fuel your brain, fuel your training. USDA recommends thirty five to fifty five percent of your diet daily should be carbohydrates 35 to 55% daily. It also has a lipogenesis pr uh, process that uh, can happen um, and store it in it, store it in energy as adipose tissue. It also is costly. It also has to go through a thermic effect process just to absorb the carbohydrates of five to 20%, not quite as, uh, costly as the 20 to 30% for protein, but still upwards of 20%. And this has, uh, is determined based off of the type of carb carbohydrate that you're ingesting, uh, along with, you know, just how your body is running. Fat is the last of the three macronutrients. Also 100% requisite also required for your body to function properly. Evolutionarily. Yeah. Catch that word. Uh, in the history of man, as we grew up through our society, going from sleeping in trees and avoiding predators and etc., um, we had to sur survive long winters just like all of the other mammals on Earth. Um, 
And we did that by storing extra energy uh, as, as, a, as a layer of fat around our skeletal muscle. Um, fat is, the prim is your primary energy source to store energy, which is why it gets demonized so much. And some it's for good reason, but it's everything in moderate. Every, you can actually drink so much water that you kill yourself, right? Water is super good, right? It helps you flush. It keeps you hydrated, uh, supports uh, elasticity in your skin, right? Uh, but you can kill yourself with too much water. You can kill yourself with too much fat. All right, so fat, energy storage, uh, primary, primary. Uh, it's also a secondary energy source, which is where the keto heads latch onto um, and, and try to get you into their industry. Um, lipids are required for fat, fat soluble vitamin absorption, A, D, K, and E, and others. You need fats, you need lipids in order to, to in, in, uh, absorb those vitamins. Um, it's also, and this is what I'm going to talk about for a bit. It's a really, really cool tool to control hunger signals. Let's talk about hunger a little bit. Let's dive into deficit life. Um, so there's three different types of hunger. There is mechanical, there's hormonal and psychological. Mechanical is that feeling where your stomach is physically empty. My daddy used to say, uh, belly's hitting the backbone. When, you, when you're really hungry, right? When it feels like your belly is hitting your backbone, you're mechanically hungry. That's a hunger signal. It's a way for your body to tell you, you need to eat. Uh, hormonal. There is a hormone, uh, a hormone in our body called ghrelin, which is our body's way of, of telling us that we need to eat, right? It gives, when you get those sharp hunger pangs out of nowhere and whether you may or may not be hungry at that point, it it's telling you that I'm burning more energy than I'm taking in. I need you to, to pick it up. I need you to eat more energy for me. Um, we're, we're, we're expending our, our energy stores. And last way is psychological, right? Um, and it, can be um, as a result of being worn out from feeling the other two hunger signals, right? If you're in a deficit for a long time and um, you're not managing your hunger signals, at some point, grit and guts is not going to get you there. You, you've got to make a change. Um, it could also be emotional eating in, in response to uh, self-image, you know, waking up and, and looking in the mirror and, um, and and not happy with what you see, whether it's physically or the place in life, but, um, there are, you know, there are chemical effects to eating that bring pleasure. Um, there are psychological effects to eating that bring pressure. And so the act of eating is an anxiety and depression relief. And that means that we can, and often do eat our feelings. I am definitely in that category of person where, um, especially in a surplus, uh, if I'm not, not feeling the day or if I'm bored, I might chat out on an extra couple snacks just cause it makes me feel good. So three different ways. And there are three different ways that fats can control those hunger signals, control those challenge points. So let's talk through them. Mechanical fats are the slowest digesting of the macronutrients. 
which means that mechanically your stomach feels full longer, which means that you don't feel that hunger signal longer. So when you're in a deficit and you know that there's a, a challenging time of your day, adding fats to your diet keeps your stomach full longer. It also turns off that hormone ghrelin and stops that hunger signal. So you can mechanically and hormonally turn off or reduce your hunger signals. And because fat, the purpose of fats are as far as uh, cooking is to bring texture and, and flavor to a diet, you enjoy your food more so you get to have a, a, a better um, psychological response to this, right? Um, you are happier longer. It pr pr provides that emotional lift because it's something that's enjoyable. All right, so fats are a really cool tool. Just don't overdo it. That's why we prioritize. And if you noticed, I talked about the macronutrients in order. Proteins, carbohydrates, fats in order of priority. Start with your proteins. Plan your meals around your proteins. Supplement with carbohydrates and flavor with fats. Okay? That's the, that's, I'm, I'm telling you right now that that is, that is the secret to success when building meals. Because it's too easy. It's super easy. There's so much fat all over the place. It's super easy to get your fats. Unless you look for low-fat animal-based protein sources and select those as the, the center of your meal. Plan your meats first. If you do that, then you get to fill uh, you know, your fruits and veggies and grains with your carbohydrates. Those will consume some of your fats. And then what's left is what you have available to you to flavor and texturize your meal. Otherwise, if you go fats first, you're never going to hit your proteins. <laughs> you're never, never going to get uh, the, prop, the appropriate macro spread. And your experience eating, especially in a deficit, is going to suck. Because, uh, well, let's talk about uh, the amount of energy in each macronutrient. Pro proteins have four calories per gram of protein. Carbohydrates have four grams of energy Per, uh, four, four calories per gram of carbohydrate. Fats have nine calories per gram of fat. It is more than a two to one ratio, which means that you get less than half the volume of food, which my friends, I'm telling you right now is the key to the, the whole deal. Being eaten, in a deficit, being able to eat enough volume to keep yourself mechanically uh, full, to, uh, to have the volume of food to live in the process of eating, to, be, to live in the process of, in that, of that enjoyment. That is the trick when it comes to, to, to being in a deficit. Um, all right, so let's wrap this up. Start by figuring out your maintenance calories, right? Uh, your energy balance is everything. Remember the website, tdeecalculator.net, Tango Delta Echo Elko, Echo Echo, Calculator. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.net. And that is a rough guide as a starting place. You have to measure between your consistency and, and how accurate you're measuring uh, your intake. Um, if you do that, and if you're weighing four to seven times a week, then you've got enough data to make solid decisions, right? But just remember that it's, it's, a, it's a loose guide. And then you have to determine your, your approach to your macros, right? Remember, all macros are important. And if someone's telling you that they're not, you look at them and tell them, you're not my friend. <laughs> no, they're probably just misled, sincerely. Uh, and and, and it's, it's super common because there's so much junk out there. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to help you. I want to I wanna get you past uh, the fog of trash that exists out there. Just understand the science of it. Start driving your own body. Be in charge of yourself. Don't let someone tell you what reality is supposed to be. Determine your approach to macros. My recommendation, the way, the way that I work with all my clients, prioritize proteins, then carbs, then fats. Right? Um, and, and here's the deal. Make sure, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug my good friend, George Bryant, um, uh, host of Mind of George, uh, came up with this term, shelf help. Uh, don't let this be help that you recognize as valuable. And you you say, well, I should use this. And, and you like imagine imagine this podcast is a book, and you grab that that book and you put it on the shelf. Don't let it be shelf help, where you never touch it again. You look back at it on five years, and you're like, yeah, that would have helped in like these 85 million uh, instances. No, don't let don't let this become shelf help. Make this make this become now help, self help, right now help. Take action today. Okay. And if, when you get stuck, you have challenges, there's no, there's no cost to get help, man. You can direct message me on Facebook or IG at keith.w.cook. Now, the spelling of that is really wonky, so let's go through it. K-E-I-T-H dot W dot K-O-C-H. Bet you didn't guess that. Again, DM me on Facebook or IG at keith.w.cook. Love to talk to you. All right, friends. Till the next time, see you on the ride. All right, my friends. I really appreciate you joining along with me on today's ride. If you found even one snippet of what I say to be motivating, educational, funny, or helpful in any way, I know you know someone else that would too. I want you to either like or subscribe, comment, and definitely share uh, the Iron Highway. Let's get this out to as many minds and ears as possible. Until then, I'll see you out there on the Iron Highway. Thank you.